Coming up on Philosophy Talk... What makes it true that it will be me who still exists, say, in some time in the future? Derek Parfit and your future self. Is your future self really you? If I cut the connection between your left and right hemisphere, would there be two of you? You're like two people, night guy, I gotta party, I gotta live. Well, what about morning guy? He's gotta get up. Screw him. What's the difference between beaming up Captain Kirk and killing him and replacing him with a clone? Is teleportation just murder masquerading as transit? Basically, travel spreading a man's molecules all over the universe. What's so wrong about valuing your own survival? We're dying a little every day. Our guest is David Edmonds, author of Parfit, a philosopher and his mission to save morality. The Parfitian approach probably does weaken the commitments that we can make to our future selves. Derek Parfit and your future self. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. On Wednesday, May 3rd, join us at the Stanford Humanities Center for a live recording of Philosophy Talk. We'll be asking, can art save us? with Harriet Hawkins from the University of London. Could paintings help with social justice? Could movies tackle climate change? This event is free and open to the public. Everybody welcome. More information at philosophytalk.org. That's Wednesday, May 3rd at 7 p.m. at the Stanford Humanities Center. Can't wait to see you there. Twenty years from now, will you still be the same person you are today? Will you still have the memories and personality that make you, you? And why do we think our future selves are so important? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Accept your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about Derek Parfit and your future self. Oh, Derek Parfitt, he was such an interesting thinker. He had that that really interesting thought experiment about the transporter. Ah, yeah, I love that too. You're on your daily commute to Mars, you're about to get beamed up, but then something goes wrong. The transporter makes a copy of you on Mars like it's supposed to, but then it forgets to vaporize you back home. So now there are two of you. Right, and if there are two of you, the question is, which one's the real you? The you on Earth or the you on Mars? Well, that's obvious. It's the original. It's the you on Earth. Obvious? That doesn't sound obvious to me. Well, imagine if the transporter malfunctioned in a different way and it didn't create a copy of you on Mars. You'd just be happily going about your business down here. Okay, but look, when the transport is functioning normally, you disappear down here and you materialize on Mars. So clearly the Mars you is the real you. Hmm, couldn't they both be the real you? Well, not according to Parfit. Let's say your Mars self sets up, like, I don't know, an, an oxygen factory and marries the boss of the Thunderdome. And meanwhile, your Earth self is hanging out at a surf shop on Bondi Beach. These two people are living completely different lives. How can they possibly be the same person? <sighs> okay, fine. One of them is you and one of them isn't. But why does it matter? Well, maybe you wouldn't care that much in that scenario. But imagine this scenario. The Earth version of you only has one day to live while the Mars version of you is going to live long and prosper. I mean, in that case, you better hope that the Mars version is the real you. Yeah, okay, I definitely want to know whether I'm in for a long, happy life or certain death. But it seems like there's just no way of knowing. I mean, it's not like you can just ask them. Both of them would claim to be the real Ray Briggs. Both of them would look like me and and remember my childhood. Right, and it would probably be pretty confusing for your family and friends, too. Like, which Ray am I going to do this radio show with? Yeah, those are all cool questions, but Parfit ends up saying something even more interesting. 
he thinks it doesn't even matter who the real you is. His slogan was, identity is not what matters. I don't get it, Ray. Why shouldn't identity matter? Like, okay, I was very different at age 20, but I still feel responsible for the dumb stuff I did then because I'm still the same person. And I really care about what's going to happen to me in old age because that's going to be me too. Parfit thinks you're right to care about your past and your future, but not because you're literally the same person. But aren't I literally the same person? I've got the same name. I've been dragging this body around the whole time. I've always hated cilantro. Fine, but that's not the thing that matters. What matters is that you can remember the stuff that your 20-year-old self did, and you can count on your 60-year-old self to carry out some of your plans. Plus, you have a lot in common with those guys. You like a lot of the same music. You have similar personalities. Heck, you even look related. Yeah, but I have some of those things in common with people who aren't me. Yeah, and Parfit says you should care about them too. That's exactly what's so powerful about this way of thinking. Suddenly you stop being so self-centered and start seeing yourself as just another thread in the tapestry of human life. I do love that, Ray, and I love the idea that it also makes us less afraid of death. I'm just not quite sure I can believe it. Well, I bet our guest can convince you. It's David Edmonds, author of a new philosophical biography of Derek Parfit. He also studied with Parfit back in the day. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what Dave thinks about all this identity stuff. Assuming that is, it is the real Dave and not his replica from Mars. We didn't have the budget to send our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, all the way to Mars. So we sent her to speak with some writers and readers contemplating future selves. She files this report. In the novel How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu, the narrator says, Today is the beginning of the end, or the end of the beginning. He has killed his future self and is going back to his past to do it all over again. This all sounds very trippy, but it's also par for the course in science fiction. That's why I decided to ask science fiction writers what the future self means to them, starting with author Charlie Jane Anders. I think that the future self is sort of a mythological figure that we conjure in order to motivate ourselves in the present, in order to justify ourselves or make sense of our lives. And oftentimes, if you're thinking too much about your future self, it means that either you're facing a huge choice or a huge challenge in the present, or your present really sucks. And like, it's actually an indicator that present you is getting shortchanged in the name of, of some future version of you that's actually a, a mirage. One of my first short stories that I wrote, which nobody's ever read really, was about someone having lunch with their future self and their future self has become a supervillain. And because their future self is a supervillain, they're eating all the most cruel foods. They're eating veal and they're like, that's how you know your future self has become a supervillain because they're eating really, whatever the opposite of cruelty-free foods are, they're eating those. And so, you know, it's just, why did I become a supervillain in the future? The future self reminds science fiction author Tobias Bikel of a thought experiment, the ship of Theseus. You know, we think of ourselves as like a coherent being that travels from one point to another. But the truth is, I often think about the fact that we're constantly shedding, you know, our cells and our, our being. And the idea of Theseus' ship is that, you know, if you replace all the planks in a ship, is it still the original ship or is it not? 
science fiction gives us a chance to imagine all kinds of futures, some of which may not be so far off from what actually happens. It's not like we can predict them as science fiction writers, right? But just getting like, you know, a group of 10 to 15 science fiction writers gets you like that shotgun blast where between 15 of us, like we're going to give you a wide range of scenarios. And probably one of those might end up being, you know, close to what happens. It's you know, kind of like maybe you should have a team of people that sits there and thinks, how horribly can this go wrong? And maybe scientists should be asking the same question science fiction writers love to ponder, how terribly wrong things can go. Take it from Daniel H. Wilson, a writer and robotics engineer. I started out as a scientist and I was extremely optimistic about all of this stuff. And, and I mean, a lot of times as a scientist, you're just making it possible, right? You're not really thinking about exactly how it's going to be applied. I mean, the purpose of the imagination is to, to think of a different version of yourself without having to become that version. You know, you think about what would it be like if I tried to jump over, you know, that gap? Would I make it? Would I not? So I think that having all of this technology that can simulate humanity and that can really act like us and, and come to the human party with us, I think it gives us this opportunity to imagine a better version of ourselves in the future. A better version of ourselves. At the end of Charles Yu's How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe, it turns out the narrator is okay, or at least it seems that way. The last page in the novel is left, quote, intentionally blank. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.